Hey guys, I don't know if you're like me, but I love Count the Dings and everything it has to offer. I just can't find everything I need. You know, I know about Cinephobe and I know about the mailbag. And I know about Bomb, but that's all we do, right? I mean, no, we do so much more. What? Yeah, absolutely. If you sign up, patreon.com slash count the dings, you'll find a plethora of other content, fresh content, extended content, the OG pod overflow, the Cinephobe cold opens that we've taken and made their own thing to live only there the re-watchingtons bomb and it's full Ooh. and unadulterated cut early drops of cinephobe episodes and so much more said the og pod now is it new or is it old mace i'm glad you asked that it is a new incarnation mm-hmm. of the old og pod oh. so it's me zach trey Waz, tom i love those guys just like we always were going back to the true hoop days mm-hmm. we're recreating that magic recapturing it and putting it back out we're talking hoops we're talking pop culture and most importantly we're talking for 40 minutes for free mm-hmm. but then another specific patreon exclusive segment for every one of those episodes funny enough about that og pod you're getting tom and trey on mondays you're getting me and waz aka zosny on wednesdays a means floating in between i'm a floater you never know when you're gonna get a mean in those so you gotta listen to them all and what if i'm not sure what maze looks like because i've always thought he's a fat man with a fedora he's got a weird voice how can i see for myself what this maze character actually looks like it's crazy you don't know the answer to this mm. because it's the cinephobe pod youtube page what the ct5s on the cinephobe pod youtube page you can look at all of us you can get all the og pods on youtube too at count the dings one on youtube at cinephobe pod on youtube patreon.com slash count the dings gets you everything all in one feed you can link it to your spotify and now enjoy the show tom utensils major contribution to civilization or unnecessary burden i'm gonna go unnecessary burden some of my favorite meals are without a fork without a knife without chopsticks this would probably be my favorite challenge to eat uh the elimination challenge so i'm gonna go with burden they're unnecessary and dainty and we should eat with like ethiopian injera for everything This is Pack Your Knives. I'm Kevin Arnovitz. And I'm Tom Haberstroh. Tom, 10, 9. We are now down to nine chefs. Uh, we had, I thought, a really interesting episode. Huge fan of uh, Gagana Nod, the guest chef, Punjabi chef who's based in Bangkok. His restaurant is always on the world's best list. I think it spoke to a kind of the value of a guest judge who really gets it. Um, also, did you know, Tom, he was famous in 2021 for doing an entire Star Wars themed, like set menu at his restaurant in Bangkok? No, I did not know that. Oh yeah. Like he did, he did like, uh, like the Dune Sea dish and Jabba's Palace dish, um, like a space cookie to start. This was some very major, uh, Star Wars propaganda in the, in the culinary space. And um, I, I'm actually, we, we, at some point we have to get him on to talk about this. I love it. He was an excellent guest judge. And I kind of like it when they have like the quick fire judge stay on for the rest of the episode. Cause you get to know the, the guest judge a little bit more. You get a little bit more texture. Um, and he seemed like he was so game for everything. 
Um, The chefs, I think with this elimination challenge, they know his deal. They know that he is more Buddha and Tom than he is Sarah and Dale. Um, Just from a, you know, foofy, tweezery, outside the box, innovative, let me get out the liquid nitrogen, all that stuff. But he also doesn't take himself too seriously. And that's what I think is really important on this show is you got to have fun. And I think he represents that the best of both worlds is you can be super nerdy, Star Wars, dinner, whatever. But also you can po- you can just look at socks and say, I, I love your socks. This is great. I, I'm having a lot of fun eating your food. So I, I, I love this episode from a from um, I think the construct of it was really tight. And we'll talk about it more later. But the the idea of not just visually pleasing, not just with your hands, no utensils, but also have a message. It was a lot to tackle, but I thought it brought out the best in the chefs. And like Tom said, he said this was the best food that they had all season collectively. And I got to hand it to Top Chef. That just the challenge in of itself, I think, brought out kind of that creativity, that innovation, uh, and just deliciousness in a way that I wasn't expecting. So it started with an emoji challenge. Um, by the way, like a conceit I'm not crazy about, but it actually produced good, interesting food. So I, I'm, I'm cool with it. Uh, there was an entire, like several emoji placards, I guess, that you had to go as a chef. When the, when the minute they pressed go, you have to run and go get one. Uh, I, there were multiple people who wanted the flame uh, emoji only uh, Ali didn't even it. understand what was going right. on. Like Ali, I got the <laughs> poor Ali does not know of, of this silly Irish uh, superstition of four leaf clovers or whatever it is. Just thinks it's is that, is that you know, not universal? Is that culturally universal? No, it clearly Kevin? is not. I mean, that's kind of the beautiful thing about our world as much as we're being watered down into this massive global uniculture. Um, there's something quite quaint about the fact that they're like accomplished, talented people who've never heard of a four leaf clover. Like they have their own good luck talismans and I don't know what they are, but um, I, I thought that was that was uh, endearing, even though he finished kind of on the bottom, probably for the first time in an individual challenge of any kind. Ali did for his herb salad, cucumber gazpacho. Um, but uh, yeah, and and poor Victoire kind of froze, ended up picking yeah. nigiri, but not actually preparing raw fish, which 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 was a little, um, which I think even and she uh, knew it. The yeah. moment she did that, she just absolutely clammed up, no pun intended, and just thought like. What am I doing? Why, yeah. why did I choose that? And it, she had, you know, the pick of the letter. She could, she could choose whatever she wanted of like seven of them. Um, she wanted to do, what was it? She wanted the flame or, or the fire one initially. I think we got from the confessional and then she just, she froze, like you said, and had to do, um, you know, not something in her wheelhouse, but you know what? I, I'm with you. At first I was like, this is kind of gimmicky. This is kind of cheesy and lame. And then as they started making it, it was basically top chef is like, be inspired by this element and then go cook your ass off. Yeah. I mean, Charbal and, and Amar did the, the, the kind of on the face of it, right? Like I'm going to get the banana and I'm going to make a yeah. plantain dish. I'm going to get the duck emoji and I'm going to slow cook duck. Right. And then you had sort of the Nicole actually, I think probably did the most creative where I'm going to get the little guy in disguise emoji and yep. disguise um, you know, create a dish that is not evident to the eye what it is, right? Which is this like Vietnamese meatball with a pandan leaf. Um, where are you? Where are you on this molding thing with Buddha? Um, I, I mean, 
like you do you is kind of where I'm at. I, I think <laughs> it's a little superfluous, um, but it is kind of, by the way, he's doing it very well. I mean, the hands yeah. work. We'll talk about the hands for the elimination um, to the extent that he had issues on his um, elimination dish kind of finishing, I think, middle bottom. It wasn't because of the hands. Um, but the, the 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 cold skull worked, and he actually won the freak. I think we can fairly say that he won the quick fire with his cold face coconut snow with candy ginger, putting it in the face of a skull and calling it freezing to death, um, which is morbid <laughs> and weird, but actually brilliant. So good and for Buddha. He had some gore in there. She had some raspberry notes in there, yeah. so it just it got a little bloody there. I mean, come on, it's just so. Buddha saying, confessing that he brought a thousand dollars worth of moldings or molds for the for the show is just perfect. Buddha just he knows what he does. He brings molds to the competition and he's executing. I think he's it's going to get probably a little old at some point, but it's not old yet. It's still pretty fresh and interesting and funny. Um, you know, the the twist that he's doing here and it's not it's not tacky. Um, you know, when he's bringing in the skull, I had a little moment of like, oh, I don't oh, it's know. A, I it's, is- a, it's a little kitschy, not tacky, but kitschy. Yeah. Kitschy. That's probably better. Yeah. I just, he won the quick fire. I thought Nicole, um, I think should have won the quick fire because of just her. It was, it was, it was true to the actual construct of the, the brief of the quick fire. Um, and I just thought that it was spicy. It was innovative. Uh, it, I think to me it was a harder cook, but Buddha just is doing, you know, out of the box stuff kind of inside the mold and he's performing really well. And, and Ali just poor Ali did not get the whole four leaf clover thing. And Victoire just did not, uh, pick the right emoji. I'm, you know, I, I felt for her immediately when that happened. Uh, but Amar continues to do like these very homey, decadent dishes and the judges are loving it. And he gets in the top three on the, on the quick fire. Once again, just performing at a high level here with some heavy, uh, he did the lamb shank, the, the flan. Um, it, it seems to be serving him well that he's playing, playing to the crowd with some, some really just, uh, I don't know. It just seems, it seems like he's going for just over the top decadent dishes and it feels like he's just nailing it. Yeah. I mean, he is other than his little over sweet chicken and pancakes the other day, uh, a couple weeks ago, he's pretty much just finding himself in the top on almost every competition in the, in the yeah. last several weeks. And clearly I undervalued him. What's also interesting. I, I'm, I'm curious to, well, we'll talk about it a little bit with the elimination, but I do believe that, I mean, he's far more versatile than meets the eye, right? Like, like he he's not regarded as one of these technical chefs, and yet he continues when needing to turn out technically advanced dishes. And when he doesn't, he doesn't. And he's happy to make the braised lamb. He's happy, you know, to do, you know, whatever kind of his style of food. He's happy to do kind of a a a, a very sweet roasted plantain with miso butterscotch. Um, he does have a sweet tooth, which is interesting. He's, he's kind of aggressive. Like he does sweet more often for savory dishes. And I can remember anybody, uh, in recent memory, which is interesting because I, I never pegged the judges, particularly, uh, Padma and Tom is, is needing that. Whereas Gail, you always sense like I, I, Gail clearly has a sweet tooth. And when she's at judges tables, she is somebody, you know, Padma will say like, I found it a little sweet. And Gail will say, well, I love the sweet. Right. Um, but 
Amar is is kind of an odd risk taker. It's not apparent to meet the eye, but he does make select he does take selective risks and right now it is really working for him he is he is on a roll um if you're uh, according to your scoring system he's sort of he's ranked third only behind ali and um and nicole right now in total points neck and neck with nicole and of the kind of bottom picks he is clearly kind of representing the the margin of your kicking my ass in the point system <laughs> yeah yeah. And I think people just take him uh, lightly because of the fact he's so free spirited, just happy go lucky, everyone's favorite teddy bear. Um, but he's just performing. He's just continually doing, executing delicious food within the constructs of the show. And he's he's no slouch here he is a serious contender to win this whole thing uh even though he seems to be so laid back and everyone's you know comic relief on the show um he's performing at a high level and one of our last picks like you said so um you know amar did really well i think looking at the other side on quick fire we buried the lead a little bit. We're going to have Dale later in this program uh, to join us here to talk about his run on Top Chef. We'll talk about his uh, his elimination challenge, but Dale will be joining us. And it was a short-lived performance. The The quick fire didn't go so well with the pulled, ch- pulled noodle, chicken noodle soup and homage to his mother um, and just the hominess and the love that she uh, put into that dish when he was growing up. And it just didn't, it didn't nail. It didn't, you know, I think if that's a dish that you can't do in a quick fire, as Padma said, it's just, it didn't, it didn't come together. So, uh, Dale didn't finish in the top three, finish in the bottom three there. And Victoire and Ali, we already talked about. Yeah. Chicken, chicken soup is one of those things. I mean, there's a reason you there are people who will, it's like when I was, when I got into the bone broth thing several years ago, I mean, I I was doing chicken bones in a, in a, in a bone broth for like days. It was, it, I never turned the flame off. Right. Yeah, it is. It is a it's a dish that is so simple. It's basically chicken soup. But what makes it delicious is just the depth that you get from time. And yes. so it was an unusual choice. Um, he did some handmade noodles, which is really impressive. Uh, let, let's go because we because we do have Dale coming up. Um, let, let you want let, let's quickly right kind of run through the elimination um, and then we can get more insight on the elimination from Dale. But uh it was kind of your your threesome. Let it off, man. I mean, we've seen Amar Ali and Charbal kind of, um, sort of as the three amigos, just kind of doing their thing. And this is not the first time this has happened. Um, the elimination itself is make a dish that does not require utensils, yep. uh, which isn't terribly hard, really. Uh, but and it's not very it, restrictive, right? Like as no, I'm not. seeing these dishes, I was like, oh, you can basically do whatever you want. You just like tacos, burger, like just thinking about how rare do I eat food with that need that requires utensils. It seemed like they had a pretty wide range canvas here. Right. And, um, and, and so, you know, your, 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 your trio there, uh, more, more was kind of Ali won the challenge with his mushroom kebab, his chicken pea mousse, his pickled grape leaves, um, kind of a mezza without um, meat. And uh, with this kind of ice effect, uh, his statement and mission and um, message was about it was about sustainability. Um, he wanted to go vegetarian. Um, he wanted to kind of represent the 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 the, the melting ice glaciers. And uh, the the visual effect was wonderful. And apparently the food was delicious. Um, and use mushroom in lieu of what you would probably use there as lamb. And uh, he won again, man. He is just absolutely, 
I mean, he he's one of the more impressive chef testants, Tom, in recent memory. I mean, he just just he owns it every week. Yeah, and uh, like Amara's like to point out is that he used he used to cut off, cut off an artificial fake leaf from the stew room to plate his dish. That's hilarious. And it's just great. It, it's resourceful he's and it plays the whole climate chef, change. Yes. Hey, he didn't want to. He didn't want to cut. You know, live plants. Of course, he, he uh, Gabri kind of made poke fun at that in the stew room afterwards. But he's he's you know I I, I hate to say it, but um, it's why I picked him number two. I guess he's performing at a really high level. And Amar, um, his pal, also in the top with the papaya salad deconstructed. Holy shit! Like that that dish. If you had put that on a on a plate and said who made that dish, in not in a million years would I have picked Amar. And it was brilliant. The whole sliding it like a hockey puck. He had the the sausage there, sliding it across the dot, and he had the dust on top of it. The versatility of Amar, like, don't count him out. He's been he's been outrageously good. Um and, and, you know, this one wasn't necessarily the most uh the same profile that we're talking about with just really sweet dishes. Uh, you might've thought this was Tom. You might've thought this was, was Buddha, but it was Amar just doing an amazing job. Whereas I think, you know, Sarah kind of played to her strengths and more of her homey, uh, Paducah, Kentucky Southern dish with a fried, um, rib where it was just, they loved it. Um, the pecan pork with cocoa buttermilk, it seemed like a huge hit. Surprised she didn't get in the top three, but Charbel, um, uh, playing up the, the Lebanese flag, uh, I thought that was a beautiful dish, well executed. The only knock on that one was that they just wish they had more of the chips. Um, but I, I thought Sarah was just as good as those three, those other three with her fried rib. And you know what? Like Tom said, there were t- 10 really good dishes, excellent dishes. And someone had to go home here. And of course, in the bottom three, we're seeing Dale, Victoire and Tom. The big surprise here is Tom, Kevin. Yeah, you know, it's funny. He is a technical chef with great ambition, and uh, it doesn't work if you can't always execute, and he's having clearly a lot of trouble executing the highest degree of difficulty dishes, which he routinely, of the 10, 11 chefs in the last couple of weeks, he will, he has routinely gone for high degree of difficulty, and he's not executing, which is dangerous. Yep. And um, he basically wanted to kind of create what it sounded like almost a pumpkin mochi, right? This thing that he said would eat like putty. And that I I imagine it's also very hard on set where, you know, you need to literally an extra minute of sit is the difference between having the consistency you want and the consistency that can land you on the bottom. Uh, The the judges stipulated that had it just been for flavor, he might have won the competition, uh, which I think is reassuring to some extent. I mean, obviously for him, he said it was a second gut punch, but I, I think it's good to know that you're not just you're not screwing up your flavors. You're you're clearly still you know, brilliantly creative, uh, pumpkin, ginger, turmeric. I, 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 it's just a great combo, but it fell apart. And he consistently, just as it did kind of his tomato gel last week, uh, this is a problem because I, I think it's fair to say, like, if, if he is capable, if, if, like, the, the only thing that's going to do Tom in is his ambition. And yep. I know there is this great uh, kind of self-empowering, attitude to like i didn't come here to play it safe well maybe sometimes you should play it safe like there's nothing wrong with you know you know charbel is very interesting because basically is it top chef or top dip um in the last two weeks like this this is a guy by the way which is totally what you expect like nobody makes dips like the lebanese 
I mean, Lebna, the the Zatar paste, the tomato paste, what he did last week with the beet hummus, like like nobody does dips like the Lebanese, and he's leaning into it, right? And I so I don't say that as a critique. What one of the reasons Charbalos is not finding himself on the bottom is he is kind of playing it a little safe. But he's working his strengths, and I think you can do that and still come up with great. And this is this is a tribute to Charvel, not, not an insult, though it sounds like a backhanded compliment. Like Tom could learn a thing or two, right? Yes. Just, and I, I just think this this hubris of, oh, I didn't come here to play it safe. I mean, that's great, but you're going to go home at some point because I mean, to be honest, as good as um, is as good as Tom is, he's not good enough clearly, um, because his hit rate on these high degree of execution dishes is low he is consistently yeah. ending up on the bottom because he can't make the jelly or, or it doesn't it looks weird or or he's got he can't strain or it, it's so the technicality is only as valuable as your power to execute it that's right and it tasted great right kevin yeah. like everything everything that he put on the plate tasted great it was just a mush instead of a moose it didn't work and uh, you know, the funny thing is, Kevin, is that this is a dish that he's done at on the cruise ships a lot. And so the actual execution of it, maybe it was the time constraints. Maybe it was just the, the away game for him that he's not in his kitchen in, in the cruise ship. This is a dish that he's executed several times. Um, and it included carrot. Once again, he seems to have this, uh, this obsession, this fetish with carrots, um, that he, that he brought in on this, this pumpkin mousse in a glass case or in a trophy case. It was, I don't know, kind of weird Shadow on that level box of some kind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and look, that's this type, the, the kind of inventiveness is what will win top chef is your ability to execute, uh, out, you know, these high level technical dishes that can win you top chef, but it also can send you home really quickly. And so Tom is teetering right now. Um, and I think Victoire being on the bottom, I didn't think she was going to get sent home. Um, you know, Dale didn't nail his protein and we'll talk to him about that. He gets sent home for the chicken and the other stuff. But you know what I like to say? He lost two dishes this year and both of them included cilantro. And yep. maybe that's a lesson, Kevin, is maybe we should stay away from cilantro, right? I, 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 I don't know what I do. <laughs> I, I would have to kind of like abstain from that dish, you know? Um, yeah. Victoire is, uh, you know, her, uh, cassava cannoli was, it, that's tough because, um, it, it is a staple, like it, it is a staple starch of the continent. Um, it, it's, it's important. It's also, I do feel like there is somewhat of a ceiling on it and like there are potatoes and like there are yeah. a lot of kind of staple starches like there is a little bit of a ceiling on it and um you know she boiled her potatoes rather than frying them so the accompaniments which were primarily it seemed like consisting of various kind of potato elements um just didn't have any richness and i think she probably came very close to going home if not for dale sort of not getting it sounded like the mole was actually the best part of the yeah. dish according to, yeah. to judge tom and, but hey, you got to nail your protein. Uh, I sort of had it as Sarah and Gabri sharing fourth and fifth place for uh, the pecan pork rib that, that, that um, um, Gagan said should be a fast food concept. Um, it's yes. so good. And Gabri for his sea bass al pastor style tacos, which just looked, I mean, that is what I wanted to eat there. I have to say of the, of the, of the, of the 10 dishes, I really wanted to eat the sea bass al pastor tacos. And then I had sort of sharing sixth and seventh Buddha and Nicole 
who had successful dishes, but not incredibly successful. They both earned a little critique. Um, the Coles uh, did kind of a, a Jiangbing style beef roll, almost it looked like, um, which is a great dish, um, but apparently a little dry on the outside and got a little ding for there. And Buddha um, did this bounty of vegetables um, that you dip in this caramelized onion, black garlic puree um, with <laughs> yeah. this um, briat savarin, which is a triple cream cheese, bread crumbles in a, <laughs> no, all of it, of course, in the mold of a hand. Um, which was a little creepy. Oh, but, wow. Um, Just a little creepy. Wow. It was, but we love it. Was, it was an amazing dish. Yeah. Amazing dish. It, I think, um, Kevin, it's a lot like the NBA this season. It's so the parody, they were all, everyone's a contender in the NBA playoffs right now. No one seems to have a leg up on each other. And this episode encapsulated how much parody there is where I think Nicole could have won this whole thing. And yet she probably would have was the, the sixth best dish. Like you said, Buddha's yep. dish could have won the whole episode seventh place dish. Like you said, um, it's really hard to parse who should have been in the top three. And of course they give it to Charbel Ali and Amar in this one. But Kevin, would you have been surprised if Nicole, Sarah and Buddha were in the top three? Yeah, I mean, it seemed like they, there was something a little they, – they seemed unsatisfied with Buddha's dish for some reason, right? And um, that they sort of – He wanted more a, radish. Tom wanted more radishes, which is weird. He was just like, why yeah. doesn't this have radishes? More bounty, less less more of like the, the earthy mushroom yeah. dirt tones. He wanted more brightness, I like guess. Like this kind of the brightness and the crunch that you get like when you're doing dips, right? Um, yeah, it was interesting. I, and I wonder to what extent did Charbal, um, you know, come, kind of – and I had him – kind of coming in third and a more uh, kind of message where Sarah's message was, Hey, everyone slow down. Um, you <laughs> yeah. know, and Nicole's yeah. message was family, which is a lovely message uh, as well. But there was something obviously when you consider just the, the tragedy in Lebanon the last couple of years, like it is, I, I think a more impactful message. And, and I wonder to what extent that provided, I'd love to ask the judges, um, you know, where do you factor in message when deciding not only the winner, but also the, you know, the, the sort of the entries like um, because it is one of those it is one of those challenges where you can fudge the theme. Right. You can yep. say don't be ignorant, um, which is a good message and a great message. I mean, it wasn't enough to save Dale, but you can sort of, hey, everyone slow down, uh, make it like home. Um, but yeah, it, it, was, it was it was an interesting it was a really interesting el- elimination. Um very sexual, I, I, very sexual episode, Kevin. A lot of wow. licking, a lot of tongue action. It was just a lot of upfront licking the fingers. All of it was just, uh, it was uh, a very sensual episode um, and kind of nods to the whole element of just a lot of tongue. It was a lot of t- tongue action. Gail was like, I licked it up and then they're giggling about it. Um, it was, it seemed like a really fun episode to participate in. And I think, I think Gagan was uh, an excellent judge. His dish that he did with the, the world map that you had to lick the plate and you get all sorts of different flavors and colors and textures. Um, they seem to have a really good time with it, but I can tell you there was a couple contestants that I felt like just knew that like, this isn't their wheelhouse and they're going to be playing from behind a little bit. Uh, one of them I think was Dale. I don't think he felt comfortable in this episode. I'm going to ask him about that. Just, it didn't seem like this was his wheelhouse. He made a decision with the mole that I think like Victoire with the sushi, it seemed like it wasn't playing to his strengths. And I don't know what that what if he could do it all over again? Would he have done things differently? But at this point, Kevin, 
in the competition. We're down to nine. We'll you know, see what happens in last chance kitchen. But uh, I had a big week, Kevin, big week. And right now the standings are, I have 124 points. You have 84 points. I had a big week with Ali getting 10. He is at this point overall from the beginning, the top chef at this point in terms of the points. He's got two wins. He's won a quick fire. He's top three, three separate times. He's only been in the bottom three once, but Charbel's not very far away. He's got four top threes on his resume uh, with obviously the first episode. He won the first challenge and there's a three bottom three contestants that haven't finished in the bottom this season, Kevin. I don't know if these are the ones that you would have come off with the top of your head, but Sarah, Nicole, and Charbel have not finished in the bottom three at all this season. And I think it speaks to, you know, they play really high floor food. Um, and you know, this is, this is a wide open race and I'm not surprised that, you know, Ali's doing well, but so is Buddha. So is so many other chefs on this season. You can't count any of them out. And I still want to see, you know, I think we have the best, uh, Victoire performance ready. We haven't seen that yet. Her breakout performance. Um, but yeah, it's a wide open race and Gabriel, he's still here. Hats off to Gabriel. I think he's really come on after the first couple episodes, a little shaky, but he is producing some really high level, really delicious food. Hello listener. Guess who's back. It's me, Anthony Mays, your favorite butcher turned podcast producer. And I'm here to talk to you about butcher box. Butcher box is the most convenient way to get high quality meat and seafood that you can trust delivered straight to your doorstep free shipping, vacuum sealed packaging. It's ready to go right then. It's ready to pop in the freezer. You get exclusive member deals and a variety of high quality cuts at an amazing value. Going to the grocery store can be a huge pain. You're usually in a rush at an inconvenient time. You're waiting in line at the meat counter. You're taking a number. Maybe this place doesn't have a number. You're jostling with fellow customers. You're trying to get that ribeye that you want or that nice piece of salmon. Maybe the butcher that you're dealing with has a bad attitude or something. I don't know. That was never me. I promise. But maybe it happens. Butcher Box takes all of that out of the picture. You are always prepared with meat and seafood in the freezer, and you're not going to find quality for this price anywhere else other than ButcherBox. So sign up at butcherbox.com slash dings, D-I-N-G-S, and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash dings and use code dings, D-I-N-G-S, to choose your free for a year offer, plus get $20 off your first order. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Saskatchewan, Canada. 
our mustachioed favorite, Dale McKay, is joining us here on Pack Your Knives. A really tough time to bring you onto the show. I'm sorry we got to do this after you got eliminated, Dale. I'm really sorry, but you got back. You fought your way back into the competition. You got immunity for the second time this season. And then they say you got to eat without any utensils. Uh, you do the mole, uh, unfortunately heading back to Last Chance Kitchen. But you know what? We're so happy to see you. We have lots to talk about. Thanks for joining the show. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So um, how, how is it just watching your performance? You said it was a roller coaster on the, on the show. Um, it really has been a roller coaster for you. But how has it been being able to watch it on your couch and seeing, uh, reliving all, this whole experience for you? Uh, you know, it's, it's super different, uh, especially this time around. It just feels very, very different. Uh, I'm a very different person than I was when I won the, you know, my season when that was 12, 13 years ago. Um, yeah, I, a slightly different piece within myself, I guess so you could say I, I love to compete. And, and, you know, I think over the years doing all different types of competitions, whether it be sports or, or food or whatever that, you know, you're not going to win them all. Um, you can really prepare, you know, preparations to me has always been the biggest thing in my career when it comes to training. I always took my training very, very seriously, trying to be a very technical chef. And, and I, I look at competition the same way, you know, I prepared the best I could to, to do the best I could. And, and it obviously didn't necessarily work out the way that I'd, I'd want it to, but I think, uh, I feel like I, I am still walking away proud of what I did. You know, this is a very different season comparatively to any other one. There's so many great chefs and, um, yeah, you know, I, I I can't say that I'm walking away with my head down. I feel pretty good about the whole thing. I'm always interested in because I've met I've met chefs who who basically have said I, you couldn't pay me to do a competition show. Uh, it's not because they consider it de classe or anything else. It's just mm -hmm. like like hey, it's not a competition. You know, it, it just I think being on a Top Chef requires a certain temperament, and I'm just wondering what it is about you specifically that is this like 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 why aside from the obvious hey you can there's profile and 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 media and you get a little exposure um and to people you might not otherwise like is there what is the competitive appeal of this like do you, like what what drives a person to sequester themselves for months <laughs> like being tortured in a kitchen basically see i love it like i i would if if someone called me and said hey let's do a quick fire tomorrow or right now I would do it. I, and it's because I just love, I love that feeling. Like when you're about to start and I usually kind of start kind of swaying back and forth and my head starts kind of going and it's, it's the type of pressure that I absolutely love. Um, and it's like, again, even outside of the kitchen, I try to compete in other different things just cause I just enjoy that kind of pressure on myself, the seclusion, all that kind of stuff to me, that's like where I find I get the edge on some people is the yeah. fact that I don't mind seclusion. I don't mind, I kind of, I, I very much, I would say I'd be a good prisoner or a good boot camp. I can pretty much eat the same thing every day. I could do the same thing every day. I'm very good at getting into a, a groove and kind of staying there for long periods of time. Uh, I've done a lot of openings, restaurant openings, and I find restaurant openings are similar that you kind of just kind of give up everything for about six months. You're like a submarine. You just kind of got to go down and kind of con conserve all the energy you can and really just put all your resources into specific things. And so that to me kind of excites me. Um, um, yeah. And you, like you said, you know, there's so, I know so many great chefs that are amazing chefs, but if you put them in those situations, they don't fare well. And uh, I think it's just a, a certain type of, of competition or brain uh, that you need to use. And not every, you know, I know chefs that are much better chefs than I am that 
take a lot longer to come up with dishes. Their dishes in the end are amazing, but to to, to turn them over in 30 seconds or, or in 20 minutes is very, very difficult for them. So I think it takes a certain, certain type of chef for sure. Okay. Gagan Anand walks through the door. What's going through your head as you're seeing him in the Top Chef kitchen? To be honest with you, I don't know him that that well. I, I know a lot of the chefs do know him really well. Uh, I, I got to be honest with you, I don't really follow a lot of chefs on Instagram. I don't buy a lot of cookbooks. I've never really been that chef. I'm more kind of a blue collar kind of, I just cook what I feel like and what I like. Um, I've never really been that kind of that chef, to be honest with you. So I, I, I truly didn't, I know like, him. Who's, who's this guy? Who, who? Like, he kind of, yeah. And I know that's <laughs> lame or whatever, but I really of didn't. Of course, Buddha and Tom are just like, are oh freaking out. God. They're freaking yeah, out. Like I swear, Tom, oh, there's tears Jordan. in his eyes. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting, it's, that's an interesting observation, right? Like what we've seen in the last 20, 25 years is like this emergence of chef world. Yeah. It's this like kind of great global Borg and right. And it's like, and, and God, there's increased media and there are these famous chefs and a million different designations and awards and Michelin and this, and that, and the other. Um, and it's sort of like, you know, I, I think there are authors who, God, they're always on the book festival circuit and they'll do every mm -hmm. panel. And, and, and by the way, and it's wonderful, right? Like you, you're a person of letters and you're, and then there, you meet, you know, you meet these novelists who are like, yeah, I live in a, in a cabin in Vermont. And I, I, sometimes I go into Boston once a year and but mm -hmm. like, you seem to live more of, which is an interesting juxtaposition, right? Cause I think Top Chef is a place where kind of global cuisine comes together and they're the Top Chef family, but you in and of yourself are just kind of happiest in Saskatoon doing your thing. Yeah, I well, and I live in a cabin most of the time. Seventy percent of my life, I live in my cabin. I bought a I bought a nineteen sixties A frame about six seven years ago, and I've been slowly renovating it. And slowly, I I basically live there full full time now. Uh, I have a, a townhouse as well, but uh, that's my kind of life. I just love it. I I feed deer every day. I I love animals. I hang out with you know my family, my girlfriend. I'm I'm pretty chill. I, I I've been lucky. I got to work in you know in Tokyo and London and New York and lots of the places all I kind of wanted to work, but. I'm yeah, I'm a pretty, pretty chill guy. And to say, like I said, I, I eat the same food all the time. Like I, if I can have a ham and Swiss sandwich and, and soup four times a week for lunch, I'm, I'm stoked. I love it. It's a, it's a really good ham and Swiss, but it's, you know, uh, I'm, I'm not that fancy. So on this particular episode, Dale, uh, you had the chicken noodle soup, which I think had a lot of heart in it. Like you, you chose the emoji and conceptually it made a lot of sense. Uh, did you know that when you play, when you played it, that, that it wasn't, you wish you had more time with the dish. And that I think Padma said in the episode that like, you can't, you just can't pull that off. Uh, no pun intended in the, in the time constraints. Did you feel that? No, you know, I mean, yes, in that situation, absolutely. I, I didn't think it was the best that it could be, you know, and I'm, I'll be the first one to admit that generally with any dish, you know, um, but I've made that I've made amazing chicken broth in 30 minutes with a pressure cooker lots of times in the restaurant. Uh, it's something that I've, I've tested lots of different broths and how fast uh -huh. I can make them and how flavorful I can make them in my preparation to do Top Chef. Um, it just didn't work out that time. I didn't get enough, you know, I didn't get to roast the chicken enough before I got to do it. I put too much liquid in. I didn't have enough time to reduce it down quietly. You know, all the factors were in there. Um, I probably, I probably didn't play the challenge, you know, maybe as clever as, as others, you know, obviously Buddha crushed it, you know, he's, he's got all the molds and he's doing cool, cool stuff. And, uh, you know, I just, I maybe took it a little bit too literal. Um, the noodles too, I think, I don't think it was a pull. It's a pulled Korean noodle that I did. It wasn't supposed to be like 
noodles like as in like you'd have a chicken noodle soup it was it was a you know a pulled noodle so it should be a chewy noodle uh i don't think i necessarily nailed that either so um all in all you know i i, I if i sat down and taste and, and had it as a dish i would be happy with it but it definitely wasn't necessarily you know a top chef level kind of quick fire dish yeah dale i was wondering the whole um molds thing i'm curious what were you, what did you bring to London with you to incorporate into the competition? And what were some of the constraints and what, what, as someone who's competed on the show before, what are some of the strategies that you were going through in your head of what, what kind of tools or ingredients can I bring to give myself a leg up? Yeah, I brought things like electric, like a spice grinder. And I brought my own pressure cooker because I do, I do like pressure cookers a lot, I, I think. And then the ones on set are fine, but everybody grabs them so much and I, you get used to kind of one that you like. So I grab, I brought that, um, everything from, um, like a little mesh thing for, for making like broths and stuff as well. Um, so you get your kind of equipment and then I did, I did bring some molds and flexi molds and stuff for some desserts. And I do a lot of, I generally do quite a bit of desserts and I, I never shy away from doing dessert. Um, and then on the ingredient side of things, I got like yuzu, maple syrup, chili peppers, you know, those kind of things, the things that, you know, most of the time you can get most of those things. And I find even on my own season, I really didn't use many of my boxes. It's more just kind of there just in case, um, with top chef, you never get to cook what you want to cook anyway. It's like, it's, it's, it's only really at the end, you get to really do what you want to do. And I found when I, at least for me, I can only speak for myself. Whenever I tried to, to stuff a dish into a challenge is usually when I didn't do well, um, in my, in my season. And I find sometimes I think if you have certain things you want to use, you maybe you, that's what you do. You kind of force them in there. So I, I brought what I thought I might use, but I wasn't too fanatical about using it. Um, what was the vibe this season in terms of competitive juices? Like, like it, it seemed, it, it, you, you made note of it in your testimonials, even here, like uh, you've changed in 13 years. Mm -hmm. um, has the show gotten more collegial and is it because there's less at stake, more at stake? I, I'm just curious, like the general kind of, kind of mood among the chefs. I think it's definitely got a lot more pleasant over the years for sure i would say i don't know if that's the case because the competitors have or if the show has decided that that's not necessary to, right. to build the storyline um i think it's dramatic enough and i think people appreciate what everyone's doing on the show enough to not make it dramatic in the sense of like like a season where marcel was on where you know he was up on the roof and rapping and people were like fighting <laughs> and it was very contentious and all that kind of stuff so i don't know if they necessarily needed that after a number of years this season, I think, is probably different even more so because the fact that everybody came in highly respecting each other because the fact that everybody has has already accomplished a lot on their perspective shows. Um, I, 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 yeah, I, on my season, I was very competitive and, and and even pretty aggressive. I was pretty mind games, even in the sense of like, I was openly telling people that I was going to win, like to the other competitors, whether it be <laughs> on camera or we'd be in elevator together. I remember there was like eight of us left and I was in the elevator and our house mom was, was there. And she was like, and someone says something, I said, no, but like, I'm, I'm going to win this season. Right. Like you guys are aware of that and stuff. And, and, and that kind of came from my, like, training it with Gordon Ramsay and stuff in the sense that that's how it really was. And it wasn't, and, and I didn't say it in like a nasty way. It was just more like a, a overlining confidence. Like this is what's going to happen, which really does affect people's ability to, to have confidence in yourself. So if you doubt yourself at all, that's going to really push you down a little bit. So there's a lot of that, but this season was very cordial. And I, and honestly, I, I, 
I respect everybody who was there and, and, you know, I, I don't think, uh, I think everybody had a chance to win. Obviously certain people are doing very, very well and, and, and maybe beating out other people, including myself, clearly. <laughs> uh, Dale, when you look back at this season, um, what was your favorite challenge and what was the toughest one for you? Cause this, this one, um, where you, you can't use utensils, you had to have a message, um, mm-hmm. you had to have it visually stunning. You go with a mole and I kind of felt bad because it was like you were doing something new and you were trying to play up the whole, don't be ignorant thing. Um, and to me, it didn't feel like your challenge, but I could be wrong about that. Um, no. was there, w- was this one tough for you? Yeah, it was. Uh, and I don't know, I don't really know why it was, it was tough for me, but, um, I don't know if that was the right time to try something new. And I, I, you know, I don't really like any of the challenges that where it's, it's about the story. I, I really don't. I don't really think that that's, I'm just sorry, but I've dealt with my trauma. So I, I'm not, you know, so I don't have like, you know, just because I, yeah, you know, I, I'm not going to harp on or, or say, you know, anyone else uses the story more, but I, I don't think this is at the end of the day, a, a, a cooking competition. It's not like a story competition or who's come from worse or, or who's dealing with more in the sense of emotionally. So I don't, I don't really, I've never associated, I, I, I associate food with, with childhood and stuff. And this is something my mom makes and that makes me feel good and that kind of stuff. But I'm a pretty literal chef. Um, I cook from, for flavor and for, you know, all that kind of stuff. So you're right. My story really probably didn't hold up to everyone else's story, but um, it was, I, I, there was a, a slightly different challenge for me. And, and, and I think I just thought of it too literal in the sense of that they wanted us to do something very formal and something like Gaga would, what he was doing something you're going to lick off the plate or that kind of stuff. And so I think I, that was my part problem, not, not the challenges problem. Uh, cause clearly other people did much more casual, like, like Sarah did a, an amazing rib, you know, I do amazing ribs. I don't know why I didn't just do an amazing rib or something, you know, that's, that's yeah. smart. She, she yeah, plays. I was, I was looking at the menu on Aiden kitchen and bar, which I have in front of me. And I was like, yeah, like those, 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 those chicken wings with the lemongrass. Like yeah, I do, you, you, I do hand food nonstop yeah, every exactly. day, all day. I do everything from croquettes to like, you know, just super tasty, just casual, rustic. And, and for whatever reason, I got it in my head that it needed to be like a more of a formal thing and it needed to be, you know, high end and we needed to use, all those kind of things. But, and that's, that's my issue. That's not necessarily anything else. And and when I was looking around kind of going, I think I, I think I kind of got in my head on this one and uh, whether it's because I just got back in and I wanted to swing or whatever. Um, I do. I, you know, I, I was happy with the dish, you know, I, I don't, I think it, you know, it, it had, you know, pickled onions, it had some acidity, had some, you know, heat from the, from the jalapenos, you know, it had um, some crunch. It had, you know, I, I, I do feel like it was a good dish. And and honestly, I've been to Mexico uh, twice since the show. And I went on a, a complete mole tour uh, with my business partner and my girlfriend and stuff. And, and I tasted probably 40 different moles. And I feel like I make a good mole. I'm not going to lie. Like, and, and I'm not saying that because, you know, for any other reason, you know, uh, I don't, I truly still don't think you have to be from somewhere. You know, I've met some amazing cooks that, I've never been to Italy, but make some of the best Italian food I've ever had in my life, you know, and, and I think that can be the same with a mole or anything else. So um, I, I definitely have gone and, and done some deep research and tasted kind of everything I can from uh, just to to give the, the respect, you know, to 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 the cuisine and to and to the mole. So. 
Dale, hats off to you because you not only went head to head with Begonia, but you delivered in a big way. And I'm just wondering, what was it like to face off in Last Chance Kitchen against some amazing chefs and power through and then feel like, oh, I'm right here on the cusp. And then you got to go head to head with Begonia, who I think as as far as resumes go, she's a juggernaut on the show. Yeah. Oh yeah. Super strong, super strong and very confident. And, you know, and she, she doesn't shy away from, from, from competing and from saying what she thinks and everything else. So <laughs> I love that. I'm reading between the uh, lines there, Dale. I'm reading between the lines there. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, you know, I loved it. It was, it was easily, I mean, I showed it all, on the show, you know, I never thought I would, I would cry or, or even shed a tear on, on yeah. television and stuff. And I got really emotional because honestly, going home the way that it went home the first time I, you know, I, I accepted it because I, I, you know, I felt like we were in the bottom, you know, me and me, like I, I knew that we were in the bottom. I felt like that the whole time. Um, so it wasn't a surprise, but to get the opportunity to fight back and then to get to do it in a big challenge, you know, it didn't show, but Tom even said, you know, when we were standing there, me and Begonia saying like, this is literally one of the hardest challenges we've ever given any, anybody to do, because it really is an hour is not like an hour. That's our to get in the kitchen, to set up, to do all your kind of things. And then just to build towers, if you have to take these plates, put them on there, put all the things that alone takes five to seven minutes to kind of get done and get it plated and stuff. So realistically, you're looking at about 42 to 45 minutes max of actually cooking. Um, So, you know, it was said that I played safe, which I don't really understand what that means. I mean, we were told to do a biscuit, a sandwich and a pastry. And that's, (laughs) that's, that's what I did. I made a biscuit, a sandwich and a pastry. And so um, I, I, I was, I felt the best. I've ever felt after that challenge. You know, I think you asked me what was your favorite challenge. That's easily my favorite challenge because oh, wow. uh, I, I, it was a hard challenge. I was struggling. They made me seem pretty calm in that challenge, but I was struggling. Like I was pushing and pushing and pushing. I was grabbing things with my hands and plating with Like it was like, we were both pushing like crazy and stuff. And um, I feel like my experience in the sense that it had came through there in the sense of making sure that you're getting everything on the plate you're making sure that everything tastes properly. Like, like I said, I, I, I mean, during the challenge, I made sure that I tested the biscuit as well. I wasn't just going to whack them in the oven and hope for the best. And so I think that's what you do in competition. You try to eliminate all the elements that could, to, could go wrong. And I think I, I did that better that day, at least. Uh, can I ask a, 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 an offensive question? What is the appeal of a scotch egg? Yeah. What, what is a freaking it is it's food they could only invent in in england yeah yeah or you Scotland, know i apparently. i've had i've had more bad scotch eggs and i've had good ones and exactly. I've, had, I've, also, I've also had some good ones too um i felt like it was uh a good scotch egg it wasn't a great scotch egg you know and there's always tons of factors in in top chef right it's it's like just the fact that i you know not being able to get pinko breadcrumbs versus being only being able to get like more of like mm. a powder bread breadcrumb uh, you know that that's the the difference and and when you only have an hour and a half in a kitchen with one oven the option of making your own breadcrumbs isn't even, even there and even even if it is you still can't make proper breadcrumbs in an hour and a half for a scotch egg you really need those pinko breadcrumbs and so when that's not available you it is what it is you know and and so there's no point making excuses and stuff but all those little things factor into making going from an okay thing to to a slightly better thing so you know, it's the same as grinding your own pork. You know, I would never just buy ground pork to make a scotch egg. I would get some really highly fat, nice, you know, 
make sure it's super cold and then grind it when it's half frozen almost so it's you know and you can whip it nicely but oh that's not top chef and that's why this this is such a hard competition so by no means an excuse but those are factors that kind of come into something that's so simple uh you know in hindsight there's you know i could come up with uh, tons of different ways of twisting it but again it was a partnership that we had to kind of do together and it was it was it was it was a tough one Hey, last question here, and we'll let you go, uh, Dale. I'm curious, as someone who's a, a triathlon athlete and someone who loves the ultra performance, uh, ultra endurance competitions, what is it like to exercise in Top Chef World? Like, were were you training while you were out there? Did you have time to work out? Like, what was it like for Dale, who's who's you know one of these triathlon athletes, and yeah. then you're sequestered in London and Paris? Like, what does that look like for you? I tried to as much as I could in my room, like when we were, were sequestered, I would do push-ups and sit-ups just to feel active. I have I, I generally have so much energy. That's part of the reason why I did try I do triathlon and stuff that I feel like if I don't if I don't use all my energy, I can't sleep at night. And that's what I felt like when I was in there too. Um so I, I did run and stuff as much as I could. My more my issue was eating, uh, because I I I eat a certain amount of calories and I eat a certain way. I like to eat pretty clean and pretty healthy. I'm not, you know, weird about it, but, uh, which is difficult because you're always on the move and you're always doing stuff and you end up, we end up eating a lot of, a lot of obviously mostly bought in stuff. So I made sure that they would have, you know, yogurts and granolas and bananas and all the different stuff that I needed in my room. So then that way I could, I could still consume and, and I would always have my little kind of snacks and stuff like that where, while we were there. And, and yeah, so I, I, did it that way best that I could. But I, I definitely, when I got back, I, I, I was standing in front of the mirror and I was like, my girlfriend was looking at me. I'm like, look at me. <laughs> because it's such a, like a head thing. And then she's like, give it a month. And then, and then, you know, it, it it's a hard road back with triathlon because it's such an all consuming sport that you train. Yeah. I train 15 to 18 hours a week. And so, uh, when you take that away, things, you lose your fitness pretty quickly. Were you even allowed to go on runs outside? No, in downstairs, they would, you could take out a Wrangler would take you down to the gym. And so you could, you could stand there and, and or you could, you could run on the treadmills and use the gym, but they would stand there and wait for you and stuff, which is fun. But yeah, that, that's the thing that would freak me out about being on a reality show. It's not, oh, being on camera or having to do all this stuff. It, it's just like the, the, as someone who worked on a reality show in 2004, like it's just that you have to be chaperoned to the most Everywhere. basic, basic Everywhere. human activities. Like <laughs> and I just want to so- go for a run. Like in you're, you're in a lovely area, Russell square. There's some good running around there. Like you're not far from Hyde Park. Like, nope, nope. Gotta like, yeah. I need a, I, I, I've got a basically an ankle monitor that is, is it, going to take it's another me constraint in Top yeah. Chef. Yeah, it is. And you have one. to deal with it. And and the funny thing is that there's so many levels of of staff, um, from the PAs to the Wranglers to everybody. And so sometimes like you be in your room, and and I know this is like you're just wanting to use the bed. You're just using the bathroom, but then you get your door knocked on every. 10 minutes in the morning time. Okay. We're going to be leaving 20 minutes. Okay. Here's a jacket. Here's like this. And you're like, yeah, I get it. I get it. And you're sitting, you're like, just let me use the bathroom without, without knocking <laughs> on my door. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, da- this was a Go pleasure, ahead. Dale. Well, anytime, honestly, I've enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're we're gonna have to uh, we're gonna have to meet up sometime um, and get some Saskatchewan food. And I yeah. know it's a, it's a little out of the way for our listeners, but uh, if you have just a second to tell us what you're doing now and how to how to uh, enjoy your food and your cuisine. 
Uh, yeah, I'm in Saskatchewan. I've got five restaurants here, two in Regina and three in Saskatoon. And I do everything from Japanese Korean to we have a small Italian place that does uh, all handmade pasta to order. And then Aiden and Avenue, which is kind of more French and kind of global. Um, yeah. I mean, Saskatchewan kind of doing events all over the place uh, in Canada. I'm hopefully doing some collaborations with some some of the chefs from from the show once it all wraps up. So I've been that recipes, videos on my Instagram and TikTok. So check those out and yeah, follow my trap one. <laughs> Please reserve a Diefen Baker trout for me. Yeah, it's delicious. We don't I use salmon around here. Some freshwater trout like all that right. is that looked really good. <laughs> good. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Dale. Dale, and that was great. Tom, closing thoughts as we go into the final nine. Yeah, so Dale and Sylvia are in Last Chance Kitchen. We'll figure out what happens there. Obviously, we we watch these episodes after they air uh, and release to the world. So we're going to see what happens in that sideshow. Um, not in a pejorative sense that it's a sideshow, but you get it. Uh, but like, I really do believe that if I could ask you, Kevin, to do a redraft of this show, of the chefs, uh, I think you're going to be, you're not stressing because any one of the people that you're selecting in a draft, I feel like have a pretty good shot at winning this whole thing. So I thought this was another excellent challenge. Um, I thought Gagam was just a perfect judge for this show, uh, this episode. And um, yeah, I, 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 lo- I loved learning about the the life outside of the kitchen from Dale. So it was really cool to see the different things that he brought. The pressure cooker always goes wrong on Top Chef. So it makes sense that you want to bring your own pressure cooker. Um, and I'm sorry to see Dale go because I feel like um, if he made some other decisions on what to make or uh, execution wise, he could have won this whole thing. I was really impressed with him and uh, sad to see him go to Last Chance Kitchen. But as you saw earlier, he, he can win this whole thing and get back into the competition. It is wide open. Open, Tom, it is the Western Conference of the NBA of Top Chef is season 20. That's right. That's right. We'll see who comes out on top. But uh, next week, uh, some more drama. We'll see who comes out of Last Chance Kitchen. And uh, I I need to get some of that. Um, I need to get some of that papaya salad deconstructed from Amar. Just what a dish. Really impressed with him so far. It has been a breakout performance from Amar uh, last few episodes. So let's see if we can keep that momentum going. Yeah, Amar, if you if you were listening, get that off menu at Vaca because I know it doesn't really fit with the Spanish theme, but we would we would love to sample it. How cool would it be just to kind of stroll in in Costa Mesa at a Spanish top you know style restaurant and say, yeah, you know, off menu. I want the papaya salad. That would be pretty cool. For Tom Haberstroh, this is Kevin Ornovitz, and this is Pack Your Nines. Mm-hmm.